0: We're reading from 1 Peter. I'll give you a second to get there if you want, or you can just listen, whatever you're feeling. All right. 13 through 25, and then 2, 1 through 3 also. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, By your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. All right, I know Jesse just prayed, but I'm going to do it again because you can never do it enough. So, God, I just want to thank you for getting us all here today. And I just ask that you may open up all of our hearts to hear what we need to hear this evening. And in your name, amen.
1: All right, thanks, Elena. Welcome to Salt, everyone. My name is Ronnie, if I haven't met you, one of the pastors here at Doxa. And as she said, we're in First Peter chapter one. So hopefully you're there. And if you're new and maybe you're just jumping in and haven't been tracking with us, we're in a series through the book of First Peter this semester. We've called it Resilient Faith. And let me just catch you up on where we've been, okay? So in chapter one, we saw that peter calls christians he calls us these elect exiles which means we're basically chosen by god to be strangers in the world and he talks about how we're basically journeying through this life towards our true home in heaven he says we have this living hope held out in front of us and we can't afford to be sluggish in that right we can't afford to be lazy but we need to strive in this good news of the gospel it's come to us and it's actually changed everything about our lives And now tonight, what we're going to do is actually talk about a a word that was in the text, a word that really describes what this salvation, this living hope, is actually meant to accomplish in our lives. And that word is holiness. Holiness. So when you hear that word, holiness, what comes to your mind? what What are you picturing in your head right now? Or maybe like what emotion do you feel? You know, would you say it's more like on the, on the positive side when you hear that word holiness, or do you feel more negative, maybe indifferent, maybe confused? I think some of us, when we hear the word holiness, it feels almost just like abstract, right? Like it's just like this word floating in there, and it's like holiness. And it just kind of floats there, and it's maybe like glowing, and it's just up there in the air, and it's, it's kind of like nice, but it feels unattainable, feels abstract, feels disconnected. Others of us, you might hear the word holiness, and you think like arrogance. Okay, you think of the phrase like holier than thou. You think of maybe some some Christians that you've known that looked down on you or like you walked into the room and they all kind of like looked over at you like this, like you don't belong here. Or maybe you've been that Christian, that arrogant, self-righteous, holier than thou Christian. Maybe you think kind of joyless, right? You hear holiness and you're like, yeah, like I honestly, when I was growing up, I think I, I had this view of God that of course he's there and he's good and he's powerful and surely it 'd be better to go to heaven than it would be to go to hell, but I kind of if I want that, I basically have to just grip my teeth while i 'm here on Earth until I can get to heaven because to be holy like there 's just no way you could be happy it 's joyless. Maybe some of you hear the word holiness and it 's just like it 's just kind of an empty word, kind of a, a worthless word, a word that doesn 't mean a whole lot to you at all. I actually have this this book here called "The Pursuit of Holiness." Anybody read this book out, out here it's by this guy named Jerry Bridges. And I have not read it. (laughs) I pulled it out this week. I found it on my bookshelf. But it's like, there's like coffee stains on it. I don't know where I found this, but you probably can't read it from the back, but there's a little sticker right there, 25 cents. Okay, 25 cents for this truly amazing book about this this topic of holiness. But maybe that's what it is for you. It's like like an idea. It's maybe nice, but it's not compelling. Okay, but now for all honest, when we hear that word holiness, the thing that really comes to mind is this guy. What's his name? No, last name rhymes with Lieber, Justin Bieber. Yes, let's hear what Justin Bieber has to say about holiness. This is what he says. He says, I hear a lot about sinners. Don't think that I'll be a saint, but I might go down the river, uh. I don't know how he says in the song, because the way that the sky opens up when we touch, I don't know if he's think, talking about God here. Uh, yeah, it's making me say that the way you hold me, again, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. It makes me feel so holy, 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 holy. And then this part, it's like on God. I don't know if it's like on God, go, God, you go. Or if it's like I'm holy on God or exactly what he means, but he says I'm running like a track star. Can't wait another second because the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me it makes me feel so holy. Justin Bieber. Thank you. Now, I did not study the song that much in depth, but I'm pretty sure he's not talking about the same exact thing as, as Peter, but I think he's on to something. I do. He's not singing about holiness in like necessarily the biblical sense, but the emotion that is attached to this word, there's something in that that's actually true. What Bieber gets right is that there's actually something about this word holiness that is worth singing about. There's actually something about holiness that is what you really want, whether you know it or not. Holiness is actually what you need, it's what you were made for, it is beautiful, it is pleasurable. Holiness and love go hand in hand, holiness and happiness go hand in hand. In his song, he doesn't really get into how hard it is to be holy, but he does capture the longing that we actually should all have for holiness. Holiness. And it's that longing for holiness that I think Peter wants us to feel tonight in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. And so we're going to look at this text and we're basically going to see, like, what does it say about holiness? What is it? Why does it matter? And then how do we pursue it? Okay, so first, what is holiness, actually? Look back at verse 15 with me, okay? First Peter 1, look at verse 15. He says, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your Conduct. So to start, to understand holiness, we actually have to start with God, because fundamentally holiness is a word that describes who God is. Okay, he's quoting Leviticus chapter 11, which is an Old Testament book that is basically all about holiness, the holiness of God, the holiness that he demands of his people. And he says, be holy as I am holy. Okay, Jerry Bridges, the guy that wrote this book, he says that holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God. And for God to be holy, it means that he is completely set apart. That's what holiness means, set apart from the rest of creation. He is the ultimate. He is perfectly good. He is perfectly powerful. But in this desire for God to be set apart, it's not a desire to be set apart in like an unattainable way, but he's actually set apart from us, kind of like the Atlantic Ocean is separated from the Mississippi River. He's holy. He's set apart in a way that everything flows out of him. Everything that's glorious, everything that is good, all of the life in this universe flows out of him. He is holy. He is set apart. And apparently he's even like holy in an inviting way, right? Like he wants us to be like him, be holy as I am holy. He wants us to be made like him. And as Peter has already said, this whole plan of salvation that he's talking about is for this end, to make this happen. Look back up at verse one, just of chapter one, verse one and two. He says, you're elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. And he's saying, so the reason that you are exiles in this world is because you've been set apart for God. You've been called to be holy. That's what it actually means to be sanctified in the Spirit. That's why he says we've been chosen for obedience to Jesus Christ. And so God says, be holy as I am holy. Be like me because you are mine. Be loving because I am love. Be generous because I am generous. Be pure because I am pure. Be patient because I'm patient. Be good because I'm good. Be faithful because I'm faithful. And on and on and on we could go. That's what you were made for, holiness. Because you were made by God. Okay, so it starts with God, but then Peter, what he's doing in this section, he's actually using some different, like very vivid images to just paint a picture for us. For us that think holiness is abstract or that it's uncompelling, he wants to paint a picture for us of what it would actually look like for a human being, for you and I, to be made holy. Okay, so he's got three images. The first one, he says, being holy is like an obedient child that is growing up into maturity. Okay, look at verse 14. He says, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So like in the same way that it is good and it is necessary as a goal for children to like grow up into maturity, Peter's saying it is a good and necessary goal for Christians to grow out of our sin and towards maturity, towards holiness. And in the same way that children, they don't grow in maturity without being taught and without having to participate and having to obey, he's saying neither do Christians. Obedience is like the way that we grow up into maturity, the way we grow up into holiness. And then next he says that holiness, it's like a, a family that is living in harmony with one another. Look at verse 22. He says, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, for a sincere and brotherly love, love one another from a pure heart. And then look at chapter two, verse one. He says, put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. At this point in your life, we, we all know what it's like to be a part of a community, a part of a group where you always feel like you have to have your guard up. You know, you always feel like you're on the defensive. You're always, it always seems like people are talking behind each other's backs. It feels actually just, dangerous to be in that community it feels corrupt it feels like this isn't the way that we're supposed to treat each other and what peter's saying is when we grow in holiness what holiness actually is it's like our our souls have been purified and we're able to actually love one another sincerely without malice without jealousy you can think of this word holiness as just total purity and harmony in human relationships So a holy community is not like a holier-than-thou, self-righteous community. It's actually not a place where you should feel attacked. It's a place where you should feel loved sincerely. And that doesn't mean a holy community isn't challenging. It just means that the challenge that we offer to each other to grow in holiness comes from a place of love and not malice, right? Like a holy community, it fights sin. It kills all sin, including the sin of religious self-righteousness and arrogance, And then the last little image that he gives us okay is of a glorious flower that never fades and i know kelvin you don't think of yourself as a flower too often probably it's not like the the image you're striving for in your life but look what he says okay this is verse 23 he says christian you have been born again not of a perishable seed but of an imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of god for all flesh is like grass and all of its glory is just like the flower of the grass. The grass, it withers and the flower, it falls but the word of the Lord, it remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And so we're all at a point in our life right now where our physical beauty, our physical prowess is like hitting its peak, right? I'm 30, you guys are 18 but somewhere in there we're all hitting our, our peak right now. Are you guys with me in the room? We're, we're at our peak. We're, we're feeling good. And it's going to start to decline at some point. For me, it'll be sooner than, than for some of you, but it's going to decline. But after your like, physicalness and all that starts to decline, you'll still have a career, right? But there's going to come a time where your, your career and your relationships is going to hit a peak and they're going to start to decline. Like There's just a life cycle for everything, no matter what it is in your life we don't like to think about that because that reality, it, it haunts us. Okay, so we, we spend like tons of money on these anti-aging creams and ointments and sprays. And like, I don't even, like my wife, I don't even know what she's doing in there. Before we go to bed, she, we, me and David were talking about this the other day. There's like a whole, it's like seven different things she's like putting all over her face, all these, these ointments and these oils. When it comes to your career, you just, you don't want to think about that one day it's going to decline, so you just put your head down and, and you work hard and you try not to, to think about it. Right? It haunts us. And what Peter's saying is he's saying, all flesh, it's like that. It's like grass. All of its glory, it just fades away. But there is a way for you to become imperishable, for you to become immortal, eternal. He says, you've been born again through this imperishable seed. He says, this imperishable seed is the message of the gospel. And so don't miss this. I want to be really deliberate with this. When the gospel is planted in your heart and you believe it, it causes you to be born again. And what you are born again to, this spiritual rebirth that happens to you, you become a being that will live forever with God. And so even though your body and your career in this world, it's still going to decay. Even if you're a Christian, it's still going to go into the ground. Your soul and your character, it's going to continue to go up. It's going to continue to progress, even into your old age. And then one day, your soul is actually going to be reunited with your physical resurrected body, just like Jesus Christ. And you're going to be like this glorious flower that never fades but goes on to live forever. And this whole reality that I'm talking about, guys, this is the reality of this word, holiness. To become set apart, to become a different kind of person, a different kind of human being, the kind of human being that God intended to create but was corrupted by sin, a person that has been sanctified by the Spirit, Peter calls it, an eternal and glorious person okay and we spend billions of dollars on these ointments and these creams and all these different things and then this book that tells us what i'm telling you right now 25 cents i think it just something just fell off of it 25 cents and so as we start to like unpack what holiness actually is what it what it does for me when i read first peter chapter one i start to feel compelled about this reality, I start to long for it, I start to want it, but if I'm honest, I also start to feel how far away from it I am. You're like, how could I ever actually become someone who is morally perfect and mature? How could I become the type of person who literally just has pure love flowing out of me at all times? How could I ever be the type of person that is constantly increasing in glory forever and ever? And what Peter would say to us is, you can't on your own, but that is the very reason why Jesus came. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to accomplish. Look at verse 18. He says, Christian, you were ransomed from the futile ways you inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. I love that last part. He's like, Jesus was fine, but he came into the world for you, for you. He came, the very thing he came for, like you weren't holy. You could never be holy on your own. You inherited a sinful way of life, of futility from the moment you were born. But Jesus, he came and he offered up his precious blood, his holy life like a lamb without spot or blemish for the sake of you, for your sake, the futile ways of your sexual immorality. The futility of your selfish ambition. The futile way of life of laziness and passivity. The futility of religious self-righteousness and arrogance. The futility of denying God. All of these blemishes, all of these corruptions over us of sin, paid for by the precious blood of Christ, the one who was like a lamb without spot or blemish. And Peter says he did this so that you would not only be forgiven and washed clean, but ransomed. That means bought back. So not just like statically forgiven to hang out, but bought back so you could be transformed. Bought back so that you could be born again into a new family. And you would grow up to be like your heavenly father, holy. And so again, Jerry Bridges, in this book, this 25-cent book, he says, to continue to live in sin as a Christian is to live contrary to God's purpose in salvation. I'll say it again, to continue to live in your sin as a Christian is to live contrary to God's purposes in your salvation. And Peter means for us to feel the weight of that, of just this statement from God, you shall be holy because I am holy. verse 17 he says if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds if you call him as father the one who is holy then you should conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile be holy because I am holy but what if you know you've been forgiven but you look at your hands you look at your life and you see that they're still so polluted with sin you're a christian you've been washed by the blood of jesus but you're still stained you keep sinning you feel the weight of the sin still remaining in your lives and it feels like this crushing just weight this unattainable thing that like i could never be holy And that's why the metaphors that Peter is using here to explain it are so helpful. This metaphor of being born again. Okay, when a baby is born, is a baby born in full maturity? No. It's born as a baby. (laughs) Profound. (laughs) Profound. Babies aren't born mature, but they do grow eventually into maturity. That's why Peter says in chapter two, verse three, he says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into your salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So holiness, it's it's what we were made for. It's what Jesus died for. And then listen, one of the main evidences in your life that you are actually a Christian, that you've actually been born again to this living hope is that you begin to deeply long for holiness. Holiness. You hear those words, be holy as I am holy. And it feels far off, it feels weighty, but it feels like I actually actually want that. I heard a pastor one time say, you don't need to be perfect to be a Christian. And we say that all the time, right? And, it, and it's true. You don't need to come to, to Jesus in your perfection. You come to Jesus with the empty hands of faith. You come to the cross and you cling to it and you say, Jesus, wash me clean. I have nothing to offer but my sin. I need you to forgive me. This pastor, he says, you don't need to be perfect to be a Christian. But you do have to be open to becoming perfect. Perfect. You come to the cross of Christ in your imperfection and you say, Jesus, wash me clean and make me holy. I wanna be a person that can live in heaven forever with you one day and actually enjoy it because I've been made like you. So let's talk about what that process actually looks like in our lives. How can we be holy? And Peter, he says a lot here on this and so here's how we're gonna break it down. It's kind of like three things It starts with your mindset. It's lived out in your relationships and then it grows over time. Okay, so first it starts with your mindset. Look back at verse 13, the opening verse of this section. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Or as one of my coaches in college used to say, Get your mind right. He would kind of lean forward like this, and it was like a Captain Hook style finger pointer. He had a thick Boston accent. His name was Brandon Horrigan, and he would just walk around in the locker room, walk around the waiting room, be like, Get your mind right! Huh? And he'd do one, one of these, like a side head tilt, and then sometime he'd say, I want my bike back! And we never quite learned who stole his bike or what it was about, but he would just kind of alternate between these two things. He'd be like, I want my bike back! Get your mind right! And the thing that he was trying to communicate to us, It's pretty self-explanatory. Get your mind right, right? Like we're going to go out on the field and there's something that is going to happen. There's a reality that is out there and you can't just waltz into it. You got to get your mind right. and That's what Peter's saying. And for so many of us as Christians, Christians is who I'm talking about here. We aren't growing in holiness because we haven't made it up in our mind that we even want to. We haven't made that decision. We haven't set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But Peter says we need to prepare our minds for action and literally gird up the loins of our mind is the the exact words they use. So like prepare your mind for battle so we can be sober-minded, so we can see clearly these new realities that are ours in Christ and set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at Christ Jesus. This is aggressive language. Peter's being very aggressive here. He's not saying that it's easy. He's saying it's possible and we must do it. In our minds and our hearts, they still remember very well our old life and our old patterns of sin. And so many of those patterns of sin, they, they just remain with us as Christians and we have to kill them. Peter calls this the patterns, the passions of our former ignorance. And so honestly, one way to think about what the Christian life is, is you're basically like in rehab recovering from an addiction to sin. And your whole life is just this rehab project. Becoming a Christian is like you've been sobered up from a life of drunkenness and sin. And rehab never works unless you get your mind right, unless you set your mind, prepare it for action. We have to start to choose make choices in our mind to start looking at the world and our lives and our sin and our decisions and everything through the lens of our living hope. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that is gonna be brought to you, the gospel of Jesus. We look back at our old life of sin and we see that it was real. We look back in our old life and it wasn't an illusion what was happening, but it was real in the same way that a drunk person sees things as real. Really there, but ignorant, distorted, Passionate, but ignorant. Ignorant to what is really true, what is really good, what is really valuable in the world. And so in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And so that's a question we should be asking ourselves, is how do I fight to, to basically stay sober, stay sober in the gospel? How do I not conform myself to the patterns of my former ignorance, but how do I, how do I get my mind right and stay sober in the gospel? And honestly, it's really not amazingly complicated. The, the, thing, the, the best way that I know how to do this is read my Bible every day and pray, try to make that a habit of my life. And I, and I, I stumbled around and started to make that a habit of my life when I was a freshman, sophomore in college, read my Bible and pray. Weekly, come to something like this, come to something like this on Sunday and hear the Bible taught and sing songs that are true and pray together with my community. And then have rhythms in my week where I'm actually like talking to other people about what's going on in my heart. Asking them to help me see my sin so I can confess my sin, so I can set my mind on the gospel. It's, it's nothing flashy in verse 25 he just says this word is the good news that was preached to you there's this good news there's this gospel jesus died to save sinners and it's it's preached to us somebody explains it to us you hear it in a sermon you read it in your bible it it goes into your heart you're born again and then for the rest of your life, you're just kind of in this rehab where you're trying to just get the gospel into your heart as much as possible, so as much gospel exposure as you can get in your heart. Get drunk on the gospel. You get drunk on the gospel and you actually start to be more, Peter says, sober-minded about life. You see things as they really are, eternity. And you become holy. And every day, we have hundreds of opportunities. Every week, we have hundreds of opportunities to grow in holiness because holiness is lived out in relationships. Okay, Peter, he says, holiness is about purifying our souls by our obedience to the truth. That's what we just talked about. But for a sincere and brotherly love. He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And if you look at verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And guys, all of those words, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, those are all ways that we sin against each other. Those are all words that happen in relationship. Holiness is not abstract. Holiness is lived out in just the everyday relationships of your life. Holiness is it's choosing to be grateful for your friend rather than jealous of them. Holiness is choosing to honor the good that you see in your coworker instead of slandering them behind their back. Holiness is choosing to earnestly love your roommate instead of cultivating malice in your heart towards your roommate. And so if you feel compelled to be holy as he is holy, look around the room. Look at the people next to you like Look in this room because here's your opportunity. You know, Salt Company, it it could become a place that is full of sincere and genuine love or it could become a place that is full of hypocrisy and envy and slander. And it all depends on if the people in this room decide that they're going to be holy as he is holy. Holiness, it it starts in our mindset. It's lived out in relationships. And then the last thing is it, it plays out. It grows over time. Okay, Peter, he uses this language of growing up into salvation. He says that in chapter two, verse two, growing up into our salvation. And so again, it's this picture that he's giving us of you're, you're born again as this new person, and then you grow up and you mature over time and holiness. And then one day your salvation is complete. It's, it's powerful. It's incredibly powerful. It's supernatural. It's a miracle, but it's a, it's a process. It takes time. He says it's kind of like a, a newborn infant drinking milk. Okay, incredibly important. I've had a couple kids at this point, and like they hammer it home for you in the hospital of how important it is that this baby drinks milk. Like, incredibly important developmentally. But it gets old. Just day after day, several times a day. It gets very repetitive. It gets very mundane. And eventually you graduate from drinking milk, and you move on to solid food. But even then, like, it... it There comes a certain point where it doesn't feel all that life-changing to eat breakfast anymore. Sometimes it really does for me, to be honest. Several times a week, breakfast is is life-changing. But my point is, it's mundane. And in the same way, it doesn't always feel life-changing to pray. It doesn't always feel life-changing to read your Bible it doesn't always feel life-changing to get in your car and find the ride and figure out how to, how to get here on a Thursday night or to show up for your friends at Connection Group. It doesn't always feel life-changing to confess your sin. It doesn't always feel life-changing to, to in your heart, and nobody even knows that you did it, but it was so hard, but you chose gratitude over jealousy. But like a child who is growing up into maturity, you are growing up into salvation one step at a time, one day at a time. And that process over your lifetime, those choices you make, empowered by God, is the way that he is going to transform you into the type of person that will be at home in heaven. You will belong there. He will look at you and say, reign with me. So Peter, he's, he's like, pursuing holiness is not easy, but it's possible. In fact, it's actually the whole purpose of your life. It's what Jesus died for. It's what his salvation was meant to accomplish in you. And as hard as it is, Peter says, It tastes so good to grow in holiness. And above all things, that's the thing that we should feel when we hear that word holiness, this, this longing, the thing that should propel us in our pursuit for this long journey, this pilgrimage towards heaven is, is holiness, our longing for God. This ache in our heart that this world is not the way it's supposed to be and we were made for another world. This, this longing to shake off our sin and be glorified, to see God's face, that longing is what is going to get you through the trials of your life, the sufferings of this life. That's how you're going to endure, is to cultivate that longing. And we haven't reached heaven yet, but we've, we've tasted it. We've seen glimpses of it. We've experienced him. Peter says, you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we don't need to use restraint and moderation when it comes to God. God. Peter says actually that, that God, he's like the only one in the universe, the only being for which this is true, where his, his very presence, like the, the substance of his presence, if you want to call it that, actually like drinking deeply in it, getting drunk on God in a sense, makes you sober. It makes you see things the way that they really are. He says, set your mind fully on the hope, the grace that is going to be brought to you at the day of Christ Jesus. And as you do that, you will become holy as he is holy. Let's pray. Father, we do call on you and we, we feel the weight of your holiness, God, your, your otherness, your set-apartness, your glory. God, we will never be you, but we want to be Like you. We want to be holy as you are holy. And so, Jesus, we even come to you in in these songs and we confess the sin that remains in our life, the stains, the impurities, the imperfections that we want you to clean. We want you to heal. Spirit, we want you to sanctify. God, we have a long road ahead of us until heaven, but we want to pursue holiness. In Jesus' name, Amen.